Love this podcast? Support this show through the supporter feature from Acast. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Do you know the way that cars can be smart enough to tell you that there's somebody sitting in your passenger seat mm-hmm. and it beeps at you? Yes. I'm failing to understand how a car can be that smart but when you're going on a spaghetti road onto the entry to come down here to do a podcast and you have your laptop bag on the passenger seat it starts screaming at you after driving for seven minutes being silent why does it think somebody just jumped through the fucking window or the door and started sitting in your car while you're on spaghetti road on the way to the entry sorry what can i just stop you right there what the fuck is spaghetti road it's, you know, those big twisty bendy roads when you're coming off, like, a non-major road onto a, a dual carriageway or... Look, think of the N4 or the N7 junctions off the M50. Uh, if you looked at them from an aerial... They're called spaghetti roads. Who coined that here? Loads of people. I've never heard that before, my well, life. Well, I call it... Can we get back to the point I have No, take fuck off, Jeff, with your fucking spaghetti roads. <laughs> very welcome along to the unpopular opinion podcast my name is jen and i'm carla and first of all we want to just start out by saying thank you to everybody who has given us amazing feedback on the podcast so far we're only just now kind Mm. of at the point where we want to be we have to burn our phone on the go Mm -hmm. for this episode we have people's opinions to throw into the mix as well it's not just going to be our own carla anything to say about a little recap on the last two Yeah, I think that it's been, I think it's been incredible. It's one thing to, it's one thing to kind of like be excited and do something, but I've really enjoyed the process and I think I've actually really enjoyed doing it with you and having that kind of outlet and the feedback has been brilliant. It's been amazing. Like, incredible. It's been really good. Obviously, there's been some constructive criticism in there. We are taking things on board. Hopefully the sound is okay now for, for the first one. For the first two, we were actually quite blind going into it. But we did go into them blind and that's another thing. We recorded episode one and episode two um, fairly bang. Nobody knew we were doing it. And put them out. Yeah. So uh, we've been able to actually, well, I I couldn't listen to my own voice. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know how you do it, unfortunately, guys. This is just how I speak. This is my accent. Nothing I can do about it. You have a lovely accent. Stop, would you stop? Would you stop? <laughs> yeah, I think we've learned. I think we've learned. We've we've grown. We've learned. We've um definitely seen 
a great positive reaction from it. And I just have to say thanks to everyone for um, getting involved. I think that's the main thing. I can't believe how many people have gotten involved with it. Yeah, same here. I've been looking at the, the WhatsApp that we have for the burner phone. Oh, wait, five, seven, two, five, two, one, two, seven. Oh, I know. Have that off. My heart's like a bleeding phone show. Yeah. But um, yeah, no, I've been every time I see a voice message coming through, I'm just like, yay! it's been amazing seeing. Now I need to like, only just look at it on the day that we're recording because yeah. I've been kind of peeping at it throughout the week and it's probably not great because people probably think that I'm ignoring them when I'm not. In this episode, we're going to be talking about what the world would look like if drugs were legalised, what we think, what, what our opinions are on mm-hmm. it basically. I was talking about it on Instagram during this week saying that I personally think it cut out a lot of shit and obviously we'll go into more detail in that. And Carly, you kind of didn't have as mo- as a, as strong as of an opinion as that when I first mentioned it. Yeah, no, I think it was um it was a grower, not a shower. <laughs> yeah, um, we will have a couple of stats in it, but again, we just want to remind people as well that this is more of an opinionated podcast. So, if you're here for stats, you're not going to get them. With like, obviously, we we need a couple of facts in there, but it's more our opinions, isn't it? Yeah, exactly. So, my opinion on this would be that I think there would the the whole drug cartel drug wars you know you know everything that's happening in Dublin at the moment will I will I mention two rival families maybe not uh, maybe not the Putches and the Linehans we'll just say that <laughs> um, and then obviously for context outside if somebody doesn't live in Dublin there are rival gangs in Dublin and the the drug wars are quite strong at the moment there's shootings in the middle of broad daylight and it's it's quite problematic I personally think that if drugs were legalised mm-hmm. there wouldn't be that much of a, an attraction to that underground life I mean if if drugs were readily available in say shops for instance if the government were getting taxed off it, if you could just go into the likes of a shop and say, here, I want a bag of coke, <coughs> you wouldn't be having all of this territorial shit going on. There wouldn't be... I I mean, I, personally, I know that criminals are criminals. They're going to want to be criminals. They'll mm-hmm. probably turn their hand to something else. Yeah, that's how I feel anyway. Um, But I just, I just... I personally <coughs> think that it would cut out a lot of that and I was watching other people's opinions on this I was watching a couple of YouTube videos there was a panel of experts that were asked the the question what would the world look like if drugs were legalised and they said the exact same thing they said there wouldn't be half as much of this like you know drive-by shootings and and stuff like that but there is the other side of it where the criminals are just going to turn to something else so you're talking about more like violent structures and gangs yeah. Yeah. So <clears throat> as far as that goes, I think a bit of a bit of a like bit all over the place with my thoughts really, to be honest. I think that drug like like legalization is a totally separate issue to gang violence and gangs in general. I know a lot of it is over drugs, but I think that they they'd find something else. Whether it be prostitution rings or anything or things that go hand in hand I suppose with it that's just me personally how I feel but um, a couple of statistics I'll, th- I'll throw at you here while we're here is that um, drugs have actually drug taking in Ireland has steadily increased 
Mm. but quite steadily they said and it's this still still have the same main three which is ecstasy weed and cocaine those are ireland's main three amphetamines are a good bit below that i think they're not even hitting the one percent off and the biggest rise has been in the ages of 15 to 34 wow 15 to 34 yeah but do you think with uh, on the lower end of the scale of that the 15 year olds are they're going down the wrong path that i, I think if it was legalized there'd be an awful lot more education on it. Yeah, I do think, I mean, fuck me, if we were to get into the education debate, we'd have education for everything. Oh yeah, absolutely. But in this case, this in particular, because you always see the likes of drug addicts and stuff like that, they always, quote unquote, went down the wrong path at an early age. Yeah, I do think there's no smoke without fire, if that's what you're trying to say. Like, I do think, but then at the same time, right, I think that there is like, what people think is a drug addict and then what people don't see as a drug addict or a drug dependent person. So I think there's a lot of gloss over certain drugs like cocaine. Mm. For some reason, I think people see that as like a cool drug because it's a party drug and it's something that isn't, you know, is used and like Wolf of Wall Street and all that kind of stuff. And it has that whole (coughs) thing around itself. And then you have things like pills, which are like a festival drug. And then you have weed, which is like your chill drug. Yeah. Yeah. Very true. So I think that there is kind of all these different levels to it. And I think that maybe with the way that media has gone, social media, and even things down to music, which is something that I think we'll discuss a little bit later in the podcast. It's kind of, it's gotten a lot more out there and people are curious. Yeah. So that's where the 15 is coming from. But what I think is if they were legalised and say you were getting them... Now, I know that there has been head shops before and th- that was a that was a completely... Absolute, that was a clusterfuck. Head it, it was because they weren't regulated. It's like they, they were these seedy little shops that were throwing out bath salts and stuff to people. So I'll give the background to what head shops were. Head sh- oh, sorry, yeah. Uh, so head shops, they were, as far as I remember, it was around 2010. Head shops and legal highs, basically, were, they were they were allowed in Dublin. They were um, shops that sold, uh, they were like bath salts, wasn't it? They were called black bath salts, but there was like a mixture of different drugs in them. There was no regulation to them whatsoever. These Whoever was running the head shops could throw a bit of speed, a bit of cocaine, a bit of E, whatever, into one little bag. And it'd be called bat salts. So I remember Wildcat. So Wildcat was a huge one in my area. Okay. So when I was 2010, what age would I would have been 20? Yeah, so around 2008 to 2010. In in 2010, they had one head shop a week opening. Yeah. In Dublin. It was mental, but they weren't, in regulated. they weren't regulated or anything like that. No. That's, I think, why they went off the handle so much. I remember myself and Adam lived in a house for a year. <laughs> it was way too close, too early in our relationship to be running a fucking house together. It was an experimental thing. Anyway, uh, it was only for it a year. Out. Yeah, it worked <laughs> out. We're still together. But we had a house in um, up in Tyrrellstown. We had a house party. And it was around the time when the head shops were open. And the amount of people taking snowblow at that party and they were fucking off their heads yeah it was worse I remember it being worse because with Wildcat I remember that was the big thing that just happened to be the big thing that I remember yeah but it was uh, basically cocaine it was basically cocaine but it was like there was bits of 
other stuff in it as well that we're just sending people off the fucking rails like I just remember Jaws swinging now it's not for me yeah Um, like I just yeah no it wasn't good and then a family member of mine I remember getting into smoking some of this stuff in the head shops ended up having a mental breakdown you know it was just it, it just was not good for the head but then again it, it was kind of halfway. It was like, oh, well, these are legal because they're giving them diff- different titles, even though we know that there's drugs in them. But they were shut down fairly fast because of the mental effects that they were causing. But that's because they weren't regulated. Yeah. Whereas if I think if you did it proper and they were regulated and you had a list of ingredients on the back of, you know, they, these were all derived properly. They were all put together properly. They were all weighed out made can you make it like you know what I mean though by that because even now drug dealers will put anything that resembles cocaine they'll dilute their actual stash down they'll put baby powder in it they'll put paracetamol crushed up paracetamol into it Mm. just to make more products for what they actually have to make more money but they could put anything into it like there's rat poison going into these things there's all sorts of things whereas if it was made properly sold properly and you had a proper education you knew what you were doing going into buying it because another problem with this is people are going to do drugs whether it's legal or not but a lot of the time people don't know what is in the drugs that they're buying yeah every different dealer is going to have a different strand a different strand because they're going to be putting their own stuff into it you know what i mean they could be crushing up disparate yeah i think i think when it comes down to all that i think especially with that just while we're on the topic of head shops Head shops were kind of, I think they were a trend again. They mm. were one of those things that people went around, they did. They got really dangerous. They got shut down. In all fairness, at least we fucking acted on that mm. as a country. And I think, was it was there a series of near deaths or deaths that made it have to be shut mm-hmm. down? Yeah. Typical fucking Ireland there for you. Gone too far. Oh, now it's fatal. Yeah. <laughs> oh, right. Now we'll do something. Sorry. Sorry. Yeah. AKA reveal. But... <laughs> That's the whole situation, I think, with that. And I remember head shops, they were just so accessible. You just had to be 18. So if you had one person in your year that was 18, they'd go and buy whatever amount of bags or... They did, like, pills. They did basically everything. They did um, weed alternatives, hash alternatives, speed, all that kind of stuff. And it just kind of, to me, the way that I grew up was that I read, you know, a million stories in Ms. Magazine. (laughs) Ms. Ms. Magazine and J17. That was my other bad boy. And it was always the same kind of case. I took a pill of ecstasy and um, I died. And I'm here writing this article from the grave. (laughs) I do remember seeing a picture of a girl and she was hooked up to all the machines after taking one ecstasy pill. And I, not that I'd ever done it before, but I was like, uh, absolutely no way. Did well, put the shits up me. Terrified me. Yeah. So I remember ever since that, I was just so hardline now. Mm. And then as I kind of grew up, I remember when I was young, when I was four, when I, I think I was 14 the first time that I smoked a joint. You were how old? 14. 14. Yeah. And it was hash. Mm. It was in my kitchen. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and my mate had gotten it from her brother. Wow. It's still some of his, I think. And I'm not even sure if we, like, rolled it properly or... (laughs) Yeah, yeah, what it was. What it was. I just remember being like, this is gas. And I remember feeling so sick. Oh, I tried. And and I've tried it. I've tried to smoke. I've tried to be a weed smoker. Because, like, anybody that I know who smokes weed is always just so chilled. Always just so relaxed. And I've tried a couple of times. And every single time, 
the term that's used is I've gone green, which just basically makes you projectile vomit. That was another thing. Do you remember when you were younger and you'd be like going around the greens and you'd be like, yeah, I had the whiteies, had the greenies. Oh, the greenies, yeah. Yeah, greenies. And then there was the whiteies. Okay, I didn't use that term. No, there was greenies where you felt a bit sick and dizzy, I think. Now I'm fucking probably. Oh no, that sounds like the whiteies because the greenies is when you actually puke. Oh, maybe I got it mixed up. Yeah. Maybe the whiteies is when you felt a bit sick and dizzy and you went white. Yeah. And then the greenies is when you puked and that's why it's called. Yeah, yeah. Greenies. Yeah, I always... um, It's like (laughs) the worst kind of feeling after it as well. Like the worst headache. Like I just can't. No. I don't even like the smell of it. I don't know why I tried it. I don't mind the smell of it actually. I think... um, Just to give a background. Yeah, so that kind of happened. I never had an issue with weed. I just never really saw it as a proper drug. No. I just remember feeling shit after it, but it was the same as like, you know, when you drink too much, you know, alcohol, obviously. Mm. And it was just one of those things when I was growing up, it was just kind of everywhere. And I think my opinion on weed has changed so much. Yeah. To when I was a teenager. And I don't know if that's to do with maturity or to do with life experience, but like my whole outlook on that drug has changed. Explain. So I feel like I'll just give a bit of background to me. So I um, have never taken a class A drug. I am probably one of the only person, people that I know that hasn't. Um, very hard line, just not really into it. When I was younger, it was about, I thought I'd drop dead and die. <laughs> and then when I was older, I just remember being like, if I'm this fucking mental on drink, and that's not a lie, what would I be like with something else? And then I kind of think it just became a culture that I just... I hated the way that people acted, not even on it, but around it. Yeah. And it kind of became this thing where it was like the sanctuary and like, we're like, oh yeah, we're getting a bag. And I'd be like, oh, you're getting a bag. Oh, you're so cool. And that was kind of, it kind of almost hardened my stance. Right. Now there's been times where like, not I've been tempted, but I've been in situations where I remember being like, hmm, I'm safe here. Maybe if I'm to try it, like, I don't want to die and say that I've never done anything or... And then I was like, you don't need this. Like, this is not for you. No. So. I think there is that thing there. It's either for you or it's not. Yeah. Um, we... I have a couple of opinions mm-hmm. on this from people who, A, would prefer to stay anonymous. Mm-hmm. Where are my screenshots now? Sorry about this. So, there's a start of the message, but it goes into... Anyway, saw Carla tweeting about the next topic being drugs and I just wanted to ask a question I'm 31 and the other half is 29 he's sparks on a building site and he's finding that they can never really go for a few drinks after work because he's with a lot of people in brackets mostly fellas he works with and just can't go out for a few scoops it's a total session and they need to have a bag ordered before they even think about having a drink is that how nights are nights out are these days I'm a total L one for just wanting to go oh sorry am I just a total album for wanting to go out have a few drinks have a laugh at my friends and not have to feel like a night out is only a night out if you're snorting shit neither of us take drugs but sometimes I see it when I'm out the 10 people in the one cubicle is a bit of a giveaway and I can't help but think it's a sad state of affairs if you can't go out and have a good night without pills or coke to fuel it it's probably because I'm old to be honest looking forward to hearing this podcast okay and it is really true because any time, well, I haven't been out in ages, but it is... Jenny Big Wild. It is um, the culture these days. It's Ireland now is like Miami in the 70s. It's just everywhere. Yeah. 
and it's it's more um i think it's kind of moved into the office space mm. a lot more and it's funny because you know i have a lot of friends that work in offices in town and stuff like that and it's become such a culture it's where like friday few points get it back yeah 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 and like i think that that's i'm very again i I'm the kind of person that I go out, I have a few drinks, I'm a wild fucking bitch for that select amount of hours. I don't need any additional bits and bobs. Mm. And although I will say that it can impair your, when you're drunk, it can impair your, like not your judgment, but you're like, yeah, we're having a good time. I, yeah, apparently when you have a bag in you or whatever, you're an awful lot more brave, but I've heard that sobered up. Yeah, I never really understood that. So, again, I think that it's kind of like, it's it's different now, isn't it? It's like, um, it is everywhere. It's way more accessible. And it's something that people, I think, can find easier. But I can see where the dependency comes from. Mm. And there, I have plenty of horror stories from friends of that becoming their norm. Yeah, I have, um, I've also, well, a friend of mine, and you wouldn't have really thought of him as a a hardline drug addict or anything like that but he did become partial to a bag on a night out and he was well known for it um, but got into a lot of trouble with it with drug dealers and the likes I suppose he probably owed money out and he took his own life because of it well to my understanding it was because of it and they showed up at his family home on the day of his funeral looking for the money off his parents and he would be considered what I would consider not a drug addict which obviously he might have been if he couldn't have had a night out without a bag but that's how much of a hole he got into with it what yeah the fuck oh there's so much that you wouldn't think goes on but it does yeah sometimes i think i'm a little bit innocent for a lot of these things but i've been i've been around i've been yeah i've been around a lot i've been at like house parties and stuff and another memory that i have is one time this one of the lads I think I was around 18 or 19. We were in a house party in Hearthstown and one of the guys walked in with the, what do you call them, you know, freezer bag? Yeah. And it was full of yellow powder. What? And I was like, what the fuck is that? And it was speed. Ah! But speed is dirty as far as I know. Speed's like, yeah, fucking anything in there. Yeah. Throw it all in. But I remember it was like piss yellow. <laughs> it was such a vivid memory. I remember sitting on the couch and him walking by and me being like, what's that? Not what I was used to seeing. And they were like, bit of spade. Bit of spade. Bit of spade. And I was like, hmm, want some? No, thank you. No, thank you, sir. <laughs> but this is the thing about what I was saying about them mixing stuff into... Because <clears throat> one of the things I know is how they get it into the country as well. I don't know where it comes from now. I'm not going to pretend that I know the ins and outs of <laughs> it. But a lot of it can smell like um, petrol because they put it into the petrol tank so that it's non-detectable. Not fuck off. In roadside searches and stuff like that. Not arsed. Seriously, like not arsed. Into a petrol tank. How the fuck would you get it out? Yeah. So this is the thing. Like I could never be a drug dealer. No. <laughs> Imagine me. I'd be like, "Hi, how much would you like?" I don't know if I have that. Give me two minutes. I'm just gonna go check my car. Hold on. Two moments, guys. <laughs> Lads, I don't think I have like that strain, but I've something else. Two moments. Just going to go to the max. So I'll get some money out. <laughs> gas. Absolutely gas. <laughs> would be, would be like me, I suppose. So yeah, I do think that when it comes down to like, I think the bigger issue 
and what what people want to know is a de- decriminalization like where do you stand on that um i i mean i do i have seen positive effects of it in the likes of portugal and that it it takes the stigma away from people who are addicted to drugs and it leaves room more room for people to go out and help and direct drug addicts in the possibly the direction of rehabilitation and since the decriminalization decriminal- of <laughs> can't <laughs> since that in Portugal there have been um a rise in number of people going to rehab because really of it. yeah there are youth and outreach workers that will walk the streets of whatever area they're in um with needle bins so that and give them clean needles so that they're you know they're not injecting dirty needles into themselves as well as the drugs mm-hmm. um and they're they're just they just seem to be doing an awful lot better and it was weird to see interviews with the drug addicts that are out on the streets they were like people t- think that we're we're stupid and that we're not intelligent and and that we weren't normal people before that this happened to us do you know what i mean that this because yeah. they're very much of the opinion that addiction is a an illness and it is to a certain extent um which is probably an unpopular opinion on my part because i fully believe that you're well capable of making your own decisions in the beginning so don't lean back on that as being an illness later on yeah i think it goes back to that whole thing i think there's no smoke without fire and a lot of people will be like they were such a normal person but they probably weren't you just didn't know it do you get me they you, they probably had a lot of demons and things that they were trying to help with and drugs can be taken for so many different purposes you know they can be taken it depends on the drug obviously but some people take it because they're not confident without it some people take it because it relaxes them it's the only thing that gets rid of their anxiety or you know their power like well their paranoia <laughs> in a way and kind of that's I, I do think there's with everything and I always bring this back to serial killers, but it's the only way that I can explain it. No matter what, there was something in a serial killer's past. And no matter what, when it comes to drugs, there was something that that person was battling with. Mm. So It's usually PTSD of some sort mm. as well. Yeah. Yeah. Um, well, another thing about, and because it's weird, because I actually know a few drug addicts. Like, um, Do you? Yeah. And I was speaking to somebody about this. We were, I was saying that we were going to be doing a podcast about it. And he said to me, because I, I was saying about how there's some some of them and again this is all about context and it all depends on the per- person I'm not tiring anybody with the same brush um, but there are drug addicts who are you know the type they'll sell sand to the Arabs mm-hmm. they'll tell you what you want to hear all mm-hmm. they want to do is be as nice as possible to you to get what they want from yeah. you but those people were selfish to begin with. Yes. That's, that was the point that this chap made that I was speaking to. Okay. He said they were selfish to begin with and then they got addicted to drugs and now their selfishness is just centred around something else. That's funny because they said in the UK, one of the biggest things because the UK is the um, drug overdose capital. Really? Yeah, in the world. Really? Yeah, in, in the UK. The UK? Yeah. And... They said one of the, one of the points that was made. I was reading a couple of articles. One of the points that was made over there, a lot of the times, drug dealers deal in various drugs, so they'll be like, "I'll give you a fifty bag, a fifty bag of weed." That's what you know. We call it, we call it over here. I'll give you a fifty bag, but just to let you know, I have a bit of speed here. Mm. Give it to you for a tenner, just because you haven't tried it. 
yeah. give you this pill for whatever, just because you haven't, you know? And it kind of almost sets themselves up. It's like link selling. I was about to say, it sounds like link selling. <laughs> it's like link selling. I'm just going to link sell you a bit of ecstasy, which are a baggy of uh, a weed. Yeah. Yeah. And that is a big concern for the UK. Wow. Mm-hmm. And that's something that a lot of them are are kind of when they're talking about decriminalisation. And that's something that I want to go into a little bit more because I think when we talk about decriminalisation, there's actually three different ways of decriminalising drugs in, you know, kind of my head. Okay. You know? So uh, I think that's one of their biggest things is that, well, it's actually, a lot of people say weed is a gateway drug. Yeah. I do and I don't believe that. What do you what do you believe? What's your opinion on that? Um, I would believe so because in the same way as I said I tried weed and when I was I've tried, tried the weeds. I've tried the weeds. And when I did try weed, it gave me the same sensation of being drunk and I'm an awful lot braver when I'm drunk. So if somebody suggested to me when I was drunk trying something, I'd be a lot not I'd be a lot quicker to say yeah if I was drunk or stoned. Now, I, I know you don't mean that in the sense that you're saying gateway drug. I know what yeah. you mean when you say gateway drug. But, it, like, if somebody was inclined to be like, oh, yeah, I liked that high. I'd try that. Because it's, it's supposed to be a bit stronger. See, I... <laughs> I, th- I think that with weed, it's, it's totally... I find it so separate to alcohol. I think they're two different buzzes. I see. I I just think the feeling of being a bit mushy headed and not really being in control of your body. More mm. so with weed, I felt like I just wasn't in control of my body, and that's one of the things I fucking hated about it. Yeah. Um. I just put it out there. I don't smoke weed. No, neither do I. But um, when I tried it, like, enough for not for want to try. Given <laughs> <I don't laughs> so much it. effort, I gave it so much effort. I lived in California, where um over there it's uh you can get it medicinal. Yeah. purposes and by medicinal they mean go to your GP say you have a headache and they'll be like some weed for you please sir yeah <laughs> yeah and um, that whole time that I lived there I tried to smoke it <laughs> and it just wasn't for me no like I tried it all I tried indica I tried sativa I tried a different strands now you're gone with me I don't even know those names those things but no you're obviously I think we're all agreed mm. medicinal Oh, medicinal should be legalised. Yeah. I think if it helps somebody in pain, fucking let them have it. It fucking does. It's been proven. Yeah. It's been proven to shrink tumours, help with side effects of Parkinson's, fibromyalgia. Now, there was a girl who did a bit of research for BuzzFeed before. What was her ailment? I think it was fibromyalgia. And she was living in LA. And I think it was around the time it was first legalised because she went into, like, a really like top end shops oh, yeah. on Melrose like they're really mm. fancy looking they're everywhere but she got loads of different strains of it so she got it in a drink she got it in a like a, a resin so she could smoke it she got edibles a resin. she got it in all different kinds of ways mm-hmm. and she was trying them all a couple of them gave her massive headaches she couldn't be dealing with it Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn you're looking in the wrong place That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. 
In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Like, I think the oil and the liquids gave her a massive headache. She's like, oh, there's absolutely no way I feel so sick on them. But she was grand with the edibles. Mm. She couldn't really smoke it. There was different, because it was different yeah. strains in yeah. different formats and stuff like that. Yeah. But, um, like, the ones that she could hack really fucking helped her symptoms. She had chronic headaches, that's what it was. Oh, fuck that. Chronic yeah. headaches. That would be awful. Yeah that's, yeah, that's what her ailment was. It was some, it was a very rare type of neurological brain thing that she, um, she constantly, she, she would vomit. I don't, I don't think it was migraines. It was worse than that, whatever it was. Mm-hmm. But this was apparently the only thing that could subside her effects and she was doing kind of like a test to see what would subside the symptoms of it and it did help so you decriminalize weed absolutely have you ever seen the videos of the the people with the parkinson's yeah no i have i've seen a lot i've seen a i've seen a lot of research and i've seen a lot of stuff over the years and i've seen it in action when Mm -hmm. i lived in uh, california but what i also did see in action was overuse right and it being something that it was like a need and a necessity and I'm very of the opinion that you shouldn't depend on anything outside unless it's 100% Hmm. helping your like you could say right so basically this is this is where I'm coming from in your head you could say that you have anxiety and you're dealing with anxiety and that's weed's great for anxiety but I almost think that it deals with it in that moment in time the next day you've worked yeah I would agree with that. Yeah, and I think that that, that's one of those things. It makes you lean on it. You're leaning on it. So it's your crutch. So I saw that a lot. I saw it as one of those things where it was like, I'm using it for my... Yeah. You know, it was fucking... You could get it for anything over there. It was like headache, backache, knee ache, ball ache, like anything you could get it for. Yeah. And I found that it became such a crutch. So I'm kind of like, how are you going to ever know if you're okay without it, if you're never going to be without it? I think it really depends on the person as well, whether they have an addictive personality. Yeah, true. Look at Salpadine, right? Salpadine has now been... I love it. <laughs> has now been... It used to be freely available. Mm-hmm. I work in a pharmacy, just for context. And it was a bestseller. Mm-hmm. Until a couple of years ago, the HSD decided that we were no longer allowed to display. It has to be in a dispensary now and it has to be sold by a pharmacist. Le- keep in mind, it's easier to get um, an antibiotic or stuff that would be considered prescription only in Ireland in America it's easier to get those things than it is to get codeine because codeine is classed as such an addictive drug but I think it is all down to the person yeah. as well yeah. because you'll often find that somebody who's addicted to the likes of sulfidine will also be a smoker a drinker mm. do you know what I mean yeah they'll also they're like, not going to be like yeah 
Do you know what I mean? Miss Sally from down the road. Exactly. Yeah. And there's quite a lot of um, people who would, and I'm not, I know you love your sparkling water, but I have known <laughs> pl- plenty of girls who can't get their hands on Salpidine so- because it's gone so strict with the rules now that they'll drink sparkling water because it's so similar. But they need it. They just need it. It's, so it's not even for the codeine itself. It's for the sensation. Is that why I like Maybe it is, Carla. Oh my God. Right. Intervention time, guys. Everybody join in. We're giving okay, Carla an intervention. Okay, you guys. <laughs> the only time I've felt the effects of codeine is when right before I got my root canal okay and I mean I was like a fucking bitch in heat I was like give it to me couldn't be without it and I remember at one point being like Jesus Christ you're like double triple dropping this stuff Carla like it's time to back it up I think I was 17 <laughs> and I remember just being like this is this is too much now this has also come from the girl that because I don't drink any kind of uh I don't drink tea or coffee or any of that. Mm. Like I have a leucosate and I'm fucking wired right, okay. for an hour. So I'm real porous, I suppose, to yeah. these kind of things. But that is, I, I, I was just a little bitch for it. Right, okay. I love me calcium. Do you remember uh, Feminex? I don't want to talk about it because that <laughs> used to be the only thing. The fucking only thing that got me through what I had. And, and, and what I had was I can only describe as a hedgehog with steel blades trying to break out of my ovaries and now it's discontinued well I have the coil now so no problems here Feminax was discontinued and I don't know why but I personally think it was because of how fucking out your face you'd be on it you were pure like I remember I'd be like, uh, um. do you remember the film was it me myself and Irene um, where Jim Carrey did the cotton mouth thing in the police station that's what I felt like on Feminax cotton mouth yeah Oh my god, the cotton mouth yeah. rabbit! <laughs> there was nothing like Feminex! <laughs> nothing like it, nothing like it. But I think if you take, um, oh god, give us a bit of a voice. If you take Falpaline and Buscapan, it's the same ingredients, but you, you wouldn't be getting the same high as Feminex was just absolutely pumped. Well, Michael Jackson died with Buscapan in the system, so <laughs> that was only for cramps. It doesn't make you high. No, but it was one of the drugs I was in the system when he passed away, Jen, okay. Take no chances. Uh, don't take any chances. Take no chances. <laughs> I feel like Theresa Manny in there. <laughs> don't take unnecessary post-caban. We get a few opinions from listeners coming in here. So this one. Hey, just seeing you talking about drugs today. I'm a mental health nurse working in an acute setting. Mm. Majority of my acutely psychotic patients are that way as a result of taking drugs. This can be a once-off taking, but mostly from regular use. The drug we see causing worse psychosis is mainly, is actually cannabis. Very interesting. Uh, Many of the patients can identify with symptoms of cannabis use as paranoia, which you said it's supposed to be good for. Uh, Sleep deprivation, low mood, anxiety, hallucinations. Therefore, I am totally against legalising drugs for recreational use. So she's saying one of the... um the worst the effects of it is paranoia yeah yeah no I knew that I just said that some people take like um, it makes you worse yeah that it's 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 like basically putting a plaster on a gaping hole yeah if you have anxiety and if you have all these things it's great that it's going to help you but unfortunately with certain things like anxiety just from me myself knowing it, it doesn't help helps no. in the moment wake up the next day wanting yeah wanting to end it exactly but see the thing this is my whole thing about the like on the bigger end the scale end of the scales I think it would regulate a lot of shit that goes down with 
the drug world. Do you know what I mean? It, down to the people who are getting their head chopped off in the countries where these drugs mm-hmm. come from. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Because you might say that uh, get buying a bag doesn't do anybody harm but the user. But it's where the drugs came from in the first place. Like there are people being killed by machetes in these countries. Like yeah. Colombia and stuff like that. Do you know what I mean? Whereas if it was legal and it was all being done above board, there would be organisations to run these things properly. Well, that's the funny thing because I've been to Colombia, obviously, and I went to um, Bogota. So everyone knows Pablo Escobar, yeah. I think. Um, I think everyone in the world does. But I've seen firsthand the devastation that has been left behind mm. and how corrupt the country still is mm. and how, yes, he was almost like a you know, a night to them because he was putting a lot of his money back into the communities because it's where he grew up and it was where he's from but the the stuff that like his mm. legacy left behind, the way that things were ran and this dev- the devastation of the people and the corruptness of the government still mm. is crazy. So much so that they have a drinking ban on the days that they vote. Mentally. You can't like, you can't vote. Me and Tom got stung. We did a beer tour that day of course and <laughs> And all bars closed at 6pm. It was fucking stupid. That was like, come, that'd be like coming to Ireland on Good Friday five years ago. Yeah, basically. It was like being in, yeah, yeah in Ireland on Good Friday. But um, I don't remember we were fuming, but that's how important, but it was so important to the people. Like they were like, we have to do it this way because it's so important. Our votes are so important because it really, like their government, their governments over in South America in general are so fucking corrupt. Yeah. And the way that drugs are, but they take it so seriously at the same time. Yeah. And I, you know, we used to go on overnight buses a lot of the time crossing borders and you'd have three, four, five checks, drug dogs in, sniffing all your luggage, sniffing you. But if you, do you not think that there a lot of resources would be freed up if drugs were legalised worldwide? Well, I think if we look at, say, like the Dutch system, which is, I think, one of the most famous in the world. Yeah, Amsterdam. The Zam. And that allows access to cannabis in small doses of um five grams is the max they're allowed to have no idea what five grams is how much is in no. a 50 bag a gram less I don't fucking know half a gram what I know an ounce is big isn't it I, I actually don't know <laughs> yeah I think I, I have to yeah, fucking breathe either but what <laughs> they say is it actually allows people to kind of have a bit more choice so they can choose their strand like I said they can choose their indica their sativa whatever way Um, and it allows for more knowledge mm. and I mean, look at look like uh, look at Amsterdam. Mm. It's a very it's ran properly. It does its bits and its bobs and it's um, it's fab. Yeah. As far as I know, I've never actually been, but everybody that I has that have gone, yeah, have said it's actually it's organized. It's mm-hmm. it, you know, what I mean? but this is what I think the world could look like. Now, do I think I like if I was say for instance if I was bringing a child up in this world and I knew that heroin was legal probably wouldn't be too comfortable with it I do understand where people would have their reservations with it yeah but at the same time it, like look at alcohol and cigarettes they used to be illegal like yeah it, the world didn't fucking end the governments are getting their tax they're happy about it we're educated on them yeah do you know what I mean yeah. there's no gang wars going there's nobody getting shot over smokes but I think it's a clash of culture at the same time, Jen. I don't think it would be that easy in here or the UK to just, I'd, I'd like, I'd, I'd, I'm 100% for it because I think that the Dutch model works so well. So I'm like, have a look, lads. It went really well. But again, just getting on to decriminalisation. Mm. So there's one that's, you know, free market on all drugs. 
What do you mean by that? Free market on all drugs. All drugs. Um, like decriminalised. Okay. So everything. You can go and buy your heroin on your but that would daily be, mail. It would, it would just mean that you're not getting prosecuted for having them. They wouldn't be exactly legal. Yes. And that's where we move on. So then there's decriminalised access for some drugs. And then there's decriminalised for possession. Mm. So... A lot of the times people think that the the problem is with drugs and the problem is with like um, prison systems and stuff like that is, you know, people caught on them. But a lot of the times if you were carrying a bag for your friend, there's that, mm. that's a felony as well. And a lot of the times it's, it's you're kind of, you're putting people in prison that don't necessarily need to be in prison. Yeah. And in, is it Portugal that have it that way that you're, it's decriminalised if you have it on you? Everywhere. Like if you're caught with it, you get a fine. No, everything is decriminalised in Portugal because they, they didn't see a point. It, it wasn't working. Having the legal Every system, single thing. Well, now I watched the, the documentary that I watched, like there was heroin users were actively shooting up out on the streets because it was decriminalised. So if heroin was decriminalised, I would imagine. But the, the whole thing about the Portuguese thing was a lot of people came off drugs because there was so much more help available to them because it was decriminalised. Yeah, well, I suppose, there you go, there's your funding. Do you know what I mean? And so many <clears throat> resources were freed up that what the prisons weren't as full. Our legal system at the moment is there's absolutely no budget in it. For a first offence, you get a fifth, well, in the legislation, and I, I'm not sure how much it's changed I know back in 2015 they tried to change it and they had to accident well not accidentally that, that was the headline <laughs> Ireland accidentally legalises ecstasy ketamine and heroin wasn't it mm-hmm. um, but it was just making a fucking mockery of the government because I mean they take the piss out of us so why not but they had to decriminalise it for a day to make it change in the bill just to make it a bit more strict but it's a fine for your first offence and more of a fine for your second offence Third offence, you're getting even, like, triple the fine Mm -hmm. that you were getting before. And fourth offence, you could get up to 12 months. But the prisons are already so packed and it's all because of drugs in the first place. Yeah. I I just think a lot of stuff would be eased off. And... Even the likes, what you were saying about um, Pablo Tesco, where Pablo Tesco, Tesco, no, that was sorry. Fuck about my part, Pablo Escobar. There was another one, um, El Chapo. I was watching the documentary. This is when I suggested this this topic to you was because if you watch any documentary on El Chapo, the amount of effort he went to to keep his business going. He built underground tunnels from, businessman. from house to house. He had underground tunnels going. One of the um, the routes that he has had was going from a town just off the border of Mexico. Um, so he had this house and the access to the tunnel was underneath a pool table. How do you think he opened the pool table? What do you think the trigger for it was? A pool cube or a pool ball? <laughs> The hose outside the back garden. If you went to turn on the tap, the pill table would rise and you could go down into a tunnel, into a warehouse, I think in San Francisco. Iconic. Do you know what I mean? This was the, the lens that he went to and the police are still to this day trying to block up. There was so many of these tunnels. The police still to this day are trying to find tunnels that are still there and trying to block them up because they're still being used. Fuck. And the amount of effort and money that went into shutting El Chapo down, I just think that 
the police could be doing so much more in other parts of all of this. Like they wouldn't be building fucking mm. tunnels in the first place. There'd be no need for it. There'd be no need for these kingpins like mm-hmm. Pablo Escobar and El Chapo because there'd be no market for them. Well, I think what it comes down to as well is that um, a lot of the times a criminal record is so much more damaging hmm. to a human than a fine. But so, it, like, a fine you can... I, I mean, yeah, times are tough. Like, if somebody slapped a grand fine on me, I'd be like, cool, um, one minute, please. You got any payment plans on? Yeah. yeah. Can I do 20 a week for the next? Yeah. <laughs> um, but I find that, like, yeah, I totally get that in... Obviously, the Irish, our jails are overcrowded. I don't know one country that the jails aren't overcrowded. No, absolutely not. So speaking of prisons, there was actually a massive issue with, uh, I don't know if you heard this, drones. Oh. <laughs> Dropping in packages of drugs to prisoners because it was getting so dangerous that like the basically the prison guards would come out because they could see the drones floating in, but there'd be so many prisoners around them that was actually endangering them as well. Okay. So the way they thought of figuring this out is to get a big net. Yeah. Just a big net over the courtyard. Okay. And that was the technology <laughs> that they had come up with. To stop the drones. To stop the drones. Well, I tell you, the prisoners are moving with the times, aren't they? <laughs> They're fucking clever guns. Oh my God, like, what the fuck? <laughs> I thought it was excellent. It is, yeah, it's amazing. I thought yeah. it was, uh, I was like, wow. Fair play. Because uh, do you remember with the whole phone thing, what their big issue was? When every prisoner had a phone that they weren't supposed Don't to have. Don't tell me prisoners have phones. I'm sorry to let you know, Jen. Some prisoners do, yeah. Stop. They yeah. I remember listening to the phone show before and there was a chap on the phone having an argument with Adrian Kennedy. Oh, no. And he was in prison. From the joy. Yeah. <laughs> from the joy. <laughs> from the joy. Uh, the joy is a prison in Dublin, by the way. Zillin. Just a bit of context there. Um, That's actually hilarious. But yeah, because they said with the phones, what they were going to do is they were going to basically kind of make like a mast, like a phone blocker. Oh, right. To block the signal. Yeah, but nothing happened. No. They didn't do that. So. I've, I know of a few prison guards that don't really give a shit about phones, to be honest with you, but they'd never admit it. Like, they don't really... They're like, ah, oh, sure, look, it's grand. They're going to fucking do it anyway. Same you know in every I mean? profession. I'm sure there's a few That's guards it. who don't mind smoking a J. I think there's a few guards that are just like, ah, oh, come here. They're not causing anyone harm. Just let them come in, do their time and go off. Mm-hmm. That's, you know, basically... Like, they, they're never... And this is an unpopular opinion, but I come from a place of experience mm-hmm. with this. Family member of mine spent, I'm pretty sure it was over 10 years in prison. <gasps> um, in prison over drugs. So, and I still think that they should be legalised, but I just, I come from a family who has been affected by having a drug dealer slash runner slash user in the family. Mm. My um, another, I don't want to be too specific, um, but another family member of mine, where this family member was living, the house got shot at twice. One while there was people in the house, a second time while there was nobody in the house. And our whole lives changed because of it. Like, it would have been a house that we'd all visit very frequently and we had to stop visiting it because of this family member. Fucking and like that, they went down the wrong path. At Fucking an early age, do you yeah. know what I mean? So I just think that situations like that would take the back burner as well if drugs were legalised and we were, they were being, the, the 
like the sources of where the drugs were coming from were coming from an organisation and you were getting them in mainstream places mm. rather than drug dealers and people owing money because an awful lot of the time families do become the victims. If the person themselves who is in the situation can't pay, they often go after the family, which I've had experience of on with a different family member. Fuck. Like just family members being terrorised because this person has got themselves into such a clusterfuck in the situation. And they decide to go missing, so the family have to take up the slack. Like, my family has paid out thousands. Fuck. To get these out of the hole so that, like, nothing else happens. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. I'm not saying my family in particular. These are kind of their relatives. I personally, my very close, like, immediate family has never been in this situation, thank God. But I've seen it. I've seen it firsthand. Fuck me. And I just, that's the point. That's the point of view that I'd be coming from, is that I don't think that would happen. No. If, if they were legalised. Yeah. I think, so that's your hard line. You think everything. Yeah. I know. Like that I said, if I was bringing a child up in this world, would I be too comfortable now that they could go in and buy a bit of heroin? Probably not. But it's like that it does come down to, co- I know it's very complex as well. I know mm. that it's not as simple as I'm saying. Yeah. There would have to be a complete infrastructure to make it work. Yeah. Um, But I just think... So it, the world would be a much different place. And I think, uh, like this this uh, listener said, should be legalised as everyone is big, and, big enough and bold enough to make their own decisions. But if it is to be legalised, more education around its effects need to be in, also introduced. Keeping it illegal is just creating more suspense and trail, which is making more and more people want to try it and in turn get hooked. Keep me anonymous, thanks. Which is where I'd be coming from as well. Yeah, the fact that it's it's illegal and it's you're not allowed to do it. Do you think that's a big gravitator? I do. Mm. I do, especially for criminals trying to make a quick buck. I think, and this is, I mean, I think it's well, I don't know if it's an unpopular opinion or a popular opinion, but I think people's issue with decriminalisation is that it's giving a free pass to people they don't feel deserve it. That's a very good point as well. Yeah, but that's where I'd be coming from with the make it legal. <laughs> well, make it fucking legal then. <laughs> yeah, make it legal side of things because then they're not doing it at all. I think what I personally, my preference would be to legalise classy, which would be your cannabis, your hashish, and I'm not actually entirely sure what what else falls into that whole thing, but the lower grade drugs, I would legalise them. Okay. Yeah. But again, there would have to be an infrastructure behind them, but I would not with the, with the class A's. And do you, what's your reason for that? You just think everybody would go apeshit on them? I don't think everybody would go apeshit on them, but I think that there's a reason why they're fucking illegal. Do you know what I mean? And I just think that I I can't imagine it and our culture adapting mm. the way that maybe, say, Portugal has or other places that that's... Um, but that's that would be my point as well. That has been done before. Well, not legalisation as such, but decriminalisation. And it has worked and it has made improvements to the societies in those places. Yeah, but every country, and this is where I'm coming from, every country is different and I just don't see it for us. For the way that we do things and for the way that things go when it comes to our culture, our drinking culture, our partying culture, our going out culture. There's a couple of things that I think we should definitely do, like this whole, um, to stop even binge drinking and stuff like that. I think that we need to extend opening hours for clubs and bits and bobs like that. But I don't think we need to extend our access to uh, 
to mm. drugs. Well, people are going to do them anyway would be my point of view on that. Yeah, I every, know. Every second person in Tampa Bar is on the bag, like. I know. Do you know what I mean? It's not stopping anyone. Be- it being illegal is not stopping anyone. No, but I, d- I, don't, I just don't. I personally don't think we're there yet. Mm. And I, as a as a nation and as a government, I don't think we're there yet. So that would be my stance. Right. So yeah. we'll just have to agree to disagree on this. Absolutely. Particular Not thing. Particular. Isn't it great that we can do that now and we can still get along? Well, we actually still have um, someone from Australia. We do. Yeah. We have somebody from Australia who sent us a voice. Um, he is... Oz. He was more so talking about it in... Because they, in the media, they have talked about drug t- pill testing yeah pill testing yeah for in the likes of musical festival ma- music festivals and stuff like that and he just doesn't think it's the life word no yeah. I'm gonna have a listen this is Kieran Jen and Carla it's me uh, Kieran I'm from Australia and I've been listening to your podcast and I noticed that this week you were talking about the use of drugs and would it be all better if we legalised them for the next episode as a discussion point where I'm from in Australia, there's been a whole debate in the media about pill testing and the use of them. And basically all that's come up because uh, one state in Australia has not legalised the use of pill testing for drugs, at, for drug users at music festivals. Basically, like, I'm sure you know what pill testing is, but I think that it's a good idea in the sense that it really lets uh, drug users know, like, potentially whether the pills they've got is harmful or not. And because we don't know fully what anyone's reaction would be if they took the pills, depending on the user, it's so different, perhaps pill testing is needed. I reckon that the whole hardline approach of drugs in this country, banning them at music festivals, that is, really doesn't work. You know, people will always find a way to get drugs into a music festival. Yes, of course, there's going to be, like, police dogs and all that. And they are designed to stop people from bringing in drugs. But the people that do bring them in, the thing is, um, that you really just can't say, um, put a whole hard line, like, no on it. It really doesn't work. What, what are your thoughts on this? I wonder what it's like in Ireland. Thank you for that, Kieran. So basically, he was saying that um, pill testing is probably the better way to go in terms of people aren't going to stop just bringing pills. Like, you know what I mean? The fact that they're blocked and there's, there's sniffer dogs there and everything, that's not going to stop them. But if you make it safer, because the he sent us a, an article and in that particular Australia Day weekend, 32 people died. Died. Yeah. Um, or were hop- hospitalised. Um, because of the drugs that they had taken whereas they're introducing what like a, a pill testing thing so it's the medical and the the medical side of things are on board with it but the police and the TDs have blocked it yeah so festival promoters and doctors um, everyone is saying yeah this is great it's a massive leap ahead but it's actually politicians and police yeah, police that are blocking it whereas if for instance if there was a pill test intent at a music festival, there was a, an example that you looked up there where 150 pills were tested by yeah. individual people. Yeah. Seven of them came up with deadly substances in them and they happily discarded them. Yeah, they weren't like, give me back my pills. They were like, oh, nope, not going to take that Not going to take that, yeah. So yeah. they were taking what was technically known as non-deadly overdosing 
drugs so that they could drop their pills, have a good time. If they wanted a nice L hangover, there you go. But at least it was all done safely. Yeah, I think that's something that could definitely work. Again, I think you'd ha- there'd be a serious amount of stuff you'd have to go through, a serious amount of legislation and a serious amount of infrastructure, infrastructure that you'd have to uh, get around to get that in. But I think, I mean, that was definitely the way for it. I think the whole thing about it is like, let's not be ignorant. It's going to happen. Absolutely. And I'm all for people experimenting and exploring their individuality when it comes to substances. But I just think that massive risk, especially nowadays, because people are fucking chancers. Hmm. And the money is worth the money. The world is ran by money. Absolutely. And drugs make people a lot of money. That's the thing. But that's why I think if it was run by an organisation, all right, never condone giving the the tax man more money. Yeah. But... It will cut, cut. I just think the benefits outweigh the the disadvantages. Do you know what I mean? I really do. Personally, in my own opinion, and I know that there's going to be so many people who have people who have been either who have either died because of drugs, and mm-hmm. um, that will disagree with me. But from like from where I stand, I think it will cut out an awful lot of shit. People will be a lot safer, as in the people who have been involved up in, like from production lines mm-hmm. all the way up to the gangs that are dealing them. Yeah. And the families that are related to them. All of that side of it would be... Now, obviously, it's a lot more complex than that. A lot of infrastructure would have to go into it, but that's just my opinion. That's there my, you go. That's my unpopular opinion. That's your unpopular opinion. I think we might wrap it up there. Next week, we will be talking about the divorce referendum that's coming up towards the end of May do not forget to get in touch with us our whatsapp is 085 725 2127 we would love to hear your voices on this we want opinions from people who have been in families that have gone through divorce what was your experience in going through Carly you have your own experiences mm-hmm. with this mm-hmm. and how the family is affected as well absolutely um, I think it's going to be another very interesting one and one that me and Jen have two totally different uh, sides on so we will be back on our bullshit next week absolutely and thanks a million keep your thoughts your comments and your prayers coming into our hotline <laughs> hotline bling we will see you next week ladies on the menu Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365 day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.